0: Hello! This week we're chatting about salmon, the wild stuff. Yep, that wild, magical, mythological fish who travels across oceans and returns each year to the exact tributary where it was born to spawn again. They are a wonder. And I guess the funny thing was, when we started researching this topic, I realised how little I actually knew about salmon. Because other than Fionn McCool. The bread on fast, of the salmon and knowledge, that story we all learned in school. And do you remember when we used to have the salmon on the back of our coins? I genuinely didn't realize how deeply connected we are here in Ireland to this fish. And then, of course, like there's an enormous difference between wild salmon and farmed salmon, which often ends up on our plate. And because there was just so much to cover, we decided that we'd actually break this down over two episodes. So coming up in this wild episode, we visit the Streamscape School and we chat to Mark Boyden, who explains all about the life cycle of the salmon and what makes a good river. I also spoke to an angler, that's Alan Nolan, about his life on the river, how he was salmon fishing all his life, what the sport is about and how us humans are impacting on the survival of this fish. But the first person we went to visit is a key figure in the Irish artisan food renaissance of the last 40 years.
1: I just wild about fish, absolutely.
0: Yeah, you might have guessed it. This is Sally Barnes. She's an artisan wild fish smoker.
1: Swimming in the opposite (laughs) direction to the current. (laughs) That's been my working life, just battling the current all the time.
0: <laughs> it pretty much sums up Sally perfectly. And Jack and I had an incredible afternoon down in her smokehouse, which is called the Woodcock Smokery. It's just outside Castletownsend in West Cork. And, you know, we were just so excited to be there because, well, first of all, we hadn't seen each other in ages. And then we were completely fired up by Sally and her Lifelong campaign for this wild fish. And we did the interview in her smokehouse, which is now a school. And it's a beautiful open wooden building. It's up in the hills with trees surrounding it. And you're in nature, and the wind is coming through, and there's fire pits outside. And it's just, it's just beautiful, you know? And I suppose it was kind of funny because we were all like set up, ready to go record this interview. And then the freezer, it just kept banging off and whizzing like mad. So we'd have to sit and we'd have to wait. And we were just having a laugh. like. And we also had a lovely bottle of poutine to keep us company. So I think this interview is a little bit of an interesting one. And I think it can be totally excused because Sally is just an amazing woman with amazing stories. Beautiful company. So let's get stuck in.
1: I'm a Scot. I was born and raised on the west coast of Scotland. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a country coastal dweller in my soul.
0: Not only that, she's a fisherwoman herself and the former wife of a fisherman. But she has been smoking fish for over 40 years. And she's probably best known for her exclusive use of wild salmon and never farmed. And she told us why this fish captivates her so much.
1: Just the whole, the whole mythology. I mean, the salmon and knowledge, Finn McCool. You know, there's something very, very precious about salmon as a creature. Don't you think? Mm, you know, it's 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 not a sea fish. It's not a freshwater fish. It's it's in every camp. The only thing it doesn't do is breathe oxygen above the, above the water.
0: I mean, you can really understand that. There really is a lot of love between Sally and the salmon. I love fish. She told us why she loves this fish so much.
1: It's incredibly dense protein. It's full of very important essential fatty acids. It's got the. We've evolved with salmon. You know, we, when you eat a bit of wild salmon, your body responds because there's a, a, an evolutionary bing goes on in the back of your brain that goes, that was something that my ancestors would have thrived on over the, over the decades and over the millennia.
0: Now, there's a lot of us that would just never have tasted wild salmon, wild smoked salmon. What does it taste like, Sally? Oh, it tastes like
1: heaven. Um, it tastes like heaven. You it have to like eat it. It, like it. it tastes like heaven. Well, I do. When I eat it, I just say, oh, this is what heaven must look like. It's just phenomenal. It's um, succulent. It has to be eaten at room temperature. And if you eat it cold, the first thing that hits your palate is salt. And then you get smoke i really going, where's the fish? When you allow it all come up to temperature, what I'm trying to achieve with the smoking is a balance of salt, smoke and fish.
0: Heaven. Yeah, I can absolutely testify that because we did get to try some and it was amazing. And there's no doubt that Sally really just shows an absolute commitment to her skill and her craft and the provenance of her food is so important to her. But what drives her? to choose this path.
1: Artisans are not in food to make a fortune and have 12 holidays a year and drive a new car. We're in it because we have a passion for good food and we tend to feed our families on what we're creating because we know it's created with love and it's made carefully and then we're not going to poison our own children or our own families.
0: So, Sally is a wild fish smoker who for decades has used wild salmon. So, somebody like her has surely witnessed firsthand the decrease in the stocks. What has that been like?
1: I was saying that the last week in June, first two weeks in July, you could have set your watch in the 1970s, the early 1980s. That's when the main run will return. At some point in the mid 80s, um, that all started to change. You know, you'd be last week in June going, where are the salmon? Why aren't they here yet? And that then continued first week in July, no fish. Second week in July, where are the salmon? And then they started to run
0: later and later and later. But that was just her first-hand local story here in Ireland. And this is clearly a global thing. So she told us about the time she went to a slow fish event in Genoa in Italy. Slow fish, it's the international slow food campaign. And what they do is they they're committed to rediscovering the value chain behind fish. And there's a huge diverse community of fishers, scientists, cooks and multiple organisations within this. So Sally is sitting down next to a group of complete strangers. And this is what happened. And. as soon
1: as I sat down, they said, we are the Russian Kamchatkan salmon people. Whoa, I said, <laughs> how convenient is this? And I said, I am representing the wild smoked salmon from Ireland. How extraordinary to meet you. How wonderful. And one of the gentlemen, and, uh, through the interpreter, he was getting all excited, and he said, ask her this. Did did your fish return late this year? Oh, holy crap. The blood stopped pumping through my veins, went totally cold. And I thought, you're on the other side of the planet. So this is not a localized Atlantic thing. This is a global problem. And that was well before anybody started saying climate change is a real thing. So it was noticed in the oceans by the fishing communities well before it was ever spoken of anywhere else because the ocean climate controls the climate on the earth you know on the on the terrestrial part of the earth
0: wow so promoting a life of living in harmony with our surroundings and honoring the bounty that nature gives us by catching preserving and eating from the wild as always was Sally, she now applies her techniques to alternative species in response to these declining stocks of wild salmon. She says we must go back to a time when we would eat whatever the fishers would bring in. And therefore, we need to know how to cook what was available. And her message about eating fish.
1: Eat, eat, don't give up eating fish, because if you do that, then you're just blanking the ocean. You'll forget all about it. Eat fish that's lower down the food chain. Don't eat the big carnivorous fish. Eat sprats. They're fantastic. Full of fat. Eat white bait. Fantastic. We should eat what's available in our local waters. That would then support and sustain maybe a a developing inshore fishing culture again, because we've lost it. I don't know any young fishermen, and that breaks my heart, because there are a fundamental connection to the coastal communities
0: So Sally now runs classes where she teaches the skills of smoking fish using traditional techniques of both hot and cold smoking and also coastal foraging, which is something she's incredibly passionate about. And this amazing space where we were sitting is home to this school. It's definitely worth a visit.
1: Now is the time for me to use 40 years of experience working with wild fish um, to teach new and younger generations of people how... The process used to be done. Modern smoking equipment is a computer-controlled, hugely expensive kit. The, 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 the big machines eat 40 kilowatts of electricity when you switch them on. I'm going, Phew, no, that won't work. In order to feed that, you need to have massive quantities of uh, raw material going in. Mm-hmm. Um, we are depleting the oceans. Um, we are causing havoc. So... Uh, what I want to do from now on is teach, pass the skills on to the coming up and coming generations because there's a huge amount of interest now, thanks to COVID, and people being shut in and having to learn to cook, or understand where their food comes from, who's making it, how is it processed, you know, especially if it's more local. I find it it's been really interesting. There's much more of an interest in community and foods, which you would be well aware of, um, Jack, because of neighbour food that's been immensely successful during the COVID and the lockdown, because people are now able to access real food made by real people in this country, which I think is incredibly important and very powerful, particularly for smaller producers.
0: And that pretty much summarises our afternoon with Sally Barnes. It was Absolutely fantastic and of course we spent a lot more time there than just these short 10 minutes but we looked at the salmon that she had in her freezer, it was ready for smoking with her students, we admired amazing paintings and drawings, she had a fish everywhere and we talked for ages and sure, the poutine helped as well. But now we're going to take you a little bit further west along the road we're going to go down to the camola valley outside bantry where we visited the streamscape school it's a small research and educational facility and we spoke here to co-founder mark boyden the streamscapes have just brought out an educational booklet called the salmon sanctuaries which it's available for download and for schools and get yourself a copy of it because it is really beautiful. It, it's lovely illustrations, lots of details about the salmon life cycle, what makes a good river, how can we all play a part in salmon survival and it's suitable for all ages. So we're sitting down and Mark explains quite explicitly that salmon, salmon's presence, is the proof of good water quality and a healthy ecosystem.
2: If your salmon are, are disappearing, um, you've got big problems. Um, because salmon are only representative of an entire suite of similarly sensitive organisms. Some of them microscopic, some of them visible. Um, but it's insects, birds, it's all wrapped up together. But So I, I reviewed the Mark Kerlansky's Salmon for the Irish Times. And, and, and that was one question I asked in the course of the review is, If you lose your salmon, do you lose your soul?
0: And you know, what he means here is without salmon in your river, not only are the alarm bells ringing for the quality of your water, but you've lost a piece of Irish heritage which you cannot get back.
2: All this, you know, it's just absolutely tied up with wisdom and knowledge and culture and lore and all the important things, all the important stories that advise us and inspire us to reach for a higher life and a higher awareness. And, you know, and if you can't keep salmon in your local river, you're you're losing, you know, you're losing your cause. Um, So so, yeah, so salmon, salmon is kind of for me, kind of this pinnacle.
0: Wow, that is pretty powerful stuff. So as I mentioned, this is an environmental educational facility and what's waiting for us inside is an immersion in aquatic ecology. The Streamscape School Programme started in the 80s and it's grown to facilitate schools now nationwide. It starts off with a little field trip to one's local rivers, streams and the seashore. Why did the guys feel that this was important?
2: It wasn't enough to read about environmental studies in the classroom, that you had to get outside And that you had to get tactile and and physical with the world around you. Um, See it, hear it, um, pick it up, touch it, learn how to identify um, things. Because they can indicate water quality as well.
0: Okay, now let's step inside the school. So here we have an aquarium. Now I'm going to try and paint the scene a little better for you. So what I'm looking at is three windows which all look into one tank. And this tank spans the entire length of one of the walls. There's a waterfall on one side and each window represents the three different phases of the stream, which is pool, riffle and glide. Okay, I know I admit it. We're getting a small bit technical and I do feel like I'm back in second year geography, but basically what Mark has done here is he's replicated the three different parts of the river that the salmon would normally use along its journey. But what is most remarkable is that there's actually two little baby salmon enjoying the river that Mark has made. I mean, this is amazing. Hey Sean. <laughs> do you, do you name the fish?
2: Ah, uh, other people do.
0: And I was blown away to discover that these two little salmon are three years old. They're about 100 millimeters long, and Mark tells us they're about 60 or 70 grams.
2: And and I suppose it's kind of a testament uh, to the aquarium that they've actually been in there two, coming up two and a half years. Wow. And you can see the fin health, the gill health, the scale health, the eyes, just perfect. Yeah. And, and, and salmon are the most impossible things to keep in an aquarium. but. Somehow we seem to have cracked it here.
0: Now, what about the water that's coming in here? So we learned that this aquarium is fed by the live stream that passes outside the door and therefore it takes on the properties of the river. So normally, he explains, it's crystal clear. But last night, as there was heavy rain, there are these fine little particles suspended in the water.
2: We turn it off in times of spate. You can see a bit of cloudiness to the river. That's from last night's rain.
0: Like, this is all amazing, but I'm still looking at these little salmon swimming around the place. Does he go out to sea at this size, or does he yes. stay in the river until he becomes bigger?
2: Um, no, it's kind of this size, where they'll be undergoing smultification. Okay. I mean, literally... What
0: smultification, then?
2: I'll get to that. Okay. The, well, keep your um, powder
0: dry, Jolene. The...
2: <laughs> the um, The, the, you know, the life cycle is that mature salmon come up, often spawning in the very gravel bed, you know, in, in the very riffle where they were hatched themselves. So, yeah, that's
0: quite incredible that salmon return to the exact tributaries where they were born. And Mark explains that these fertilized ova eggs rest in the bed of the stream and incubate over the short winter days and long nights. And as the days lengthen, they hatch into tiny alvins at three to four months. And then these little baby salmon emerge from their shell, but they remain sheltered in the stone and the gravel of the riverbed. And then by the time spring comes, they've formed into these tiny little recognisable fish with fins and scales, which they call fry. I know, I know, I can hear you thinking now. I have absolutely lost my calling as a teacher, but this
2: is great stuff. Then they start to emerge from the gravel and They'll just opportunistically shoot up to the surface or in between and take some bit of uh, food that's passing and then return back down. Then they, uh, then, then they become par at maybe um, five, six months old and then they'll move into slightly deeper water as well. Um, I mean, when I'm snorkeling, you can often find par hanging out in what are called the bubble curtains, okay. you, you know, of, um, of shallower pools underneath waterfalls. Or they'll go in along the banks where there's shelter created by overhanging trees and one thing or another. They're, they're seeking habitat. And what's habitat? But shelter. Um, but shelter also meaning shelter from predators, from easy visual uh, spotting by prey like heron or or um, kingfishers, or, or et, cetera, et cetera, Whenever they go from par to smultification. Smultification is when they undergo all these changes in order to adapt to life in the saline environment, in the sea. Okay. And so they're changing color. They're going from this kind of um, you know, mottled, uh, appropriate camouflage, the river, to more silvery stuff, which also helps then with evading predators out at sea, yeah. where, where there aren't the shelter of trees or anything like that to hide under, yeah, yeah. You, know, you know? And- How and, did
0: you learn
2: all this, Uh Kind of as, I, as I've been going. Um, I'm not there yet. I'm still learning. But, um, oh yeah, come here. The, the, Jack has spotted the, the model of the kamala Barlin Valley And this is another important uh, exhibit here in the Stream School, just to demonstrate that uh, hydrology and and what's going on. You know, what happens here? Here, look, Jack, you make it rain.
0: (laughs) Jack, age six. (laughs) ah yeah that was impressive all right so mark actually had this 3d model of the valley with clouds and they produced rain and then this fed the rivers and you know you could see the whole continuous cycle of water within the earth and the atmosphere and it was pretty pretty good like you know i can really see how school kids would just soak all this up right so i'm kind of getting now the salmon grows up he goes out to sea He wanders around the North Atlantic and I guess the next time he meets us is when there's an angler standing at the riverbank with a rod. I need to speak to an angler. So cue Alan Nolan. Now disclaimer here, I know Alan from my sailing activities. Um, He wasn't surprised when I did ring him up, which was completely off the fly as I heard he was an avid salmon fan, I just didn't know how much of one he was.
3: How are you? Not too bad. How are you? Come here.
0: I heard that you were mad into salmon angling. Is that true? What's the story?
3: Oh, yeah. I, I'm, the, I'm the secretary of the Lee Salmon Anglers and all that carry on, you know? So I, um, I am. I'm big into it. Like, I mean, I, I, you know, when, like, since I was a child, I was Jesus. I used to sleep on the riverbank and everything and not go home and go away. All this kind of off the wall stuff. Like, so, um, but you, like, it's like anything else. I suppose I, I'm salmon fishing since 1984. Yeah, that's hidden for many 40 years. But then um, you kind of move into different stages in your fishing career, and uh, and uh, initially you, you you're you're chasing numbers, and then you're chasing size. Yeah. And 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 then you kind of get to the point and it, that it's, you just start appreciating being on the riverbank and yeah. Yeah. and taking in you know the the the, the timelessness of it and watching other people learn the craft and, 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 and telling lies about fishing to your buddies. <laughs> yeah, the salmon is the, is the only fish that puts on weight after this, you know, because if he was a 10-pounder this year, he could be a 12-pounder next year. <laughs> By the time you tell the story. Oh, right. You know, <laughs> <Okay. you know.
0: laughs> I hear your guess. Why do they call it the king of the salmon?
3: Do you know? The, re- I, well, the reason I would call it the we say, we'd call it the king or the queen of fish is because its life cycle is is such a wonder of nature, you know. In that, when you think of it, the, the salmon goes off out to sea as it? It, it it comes down from the Onabuino, for example, and it comes down from Glen Moyer and the Bride, the Shornock, the Lead, the Blackwater, the Bandon, the, mm. the, the wherever, right, and then heads off out into the in, into the, the the North Atlantic uh, yeah. up towards Greenland, and. Um, it, for a number of winters yeah sometimes one sometimes two or even three or more right but everything is out to get us. so mm. you've got cormorants you've got gannets you've got seals you've got dolphins you've got sharks you've got nets you've got boats everything in in, in the world is out to get us and, and yeah we've
0: got you and then the, in the river when he comes back
3: yeah and I think you, you've made in with my latest invention, one of our flights, feeling, feeling quite guilty. I, I cast with one I cast one arm and I lash myself for the branch with the other arm. But, uh, <laughs> but, but you know, that's the point. Like when you get into it for so many years, you would be saying, to yourself, Jesus Christ, am I doing the right thing here or not? Yeah. But I, then I do a thing called catch and release. Okay. So if you do catch a fish, you know, you can fish with barbless hooks. Right. And you get, you get the, the bit of sport and you can release the fish unharmed. And I started doing that back in 1990. Okay. And um, people thought I was mad because there was no such thing as catch and release. But uh, I, I did it at the time because I was on a bicycle and I often was getting three or four or five salmon a day. Whoa. And it was a bit of a spectacle heading out the fields, like with salmon uh, kind of tied onto handlebars and hanging off backwards. So yeah. I, I started letting the fish go back and then yeah. I, I was getting first treasure out of it. Yeah. And then I said, you know what? This is this is the bizzle. Like I'm, I'm letting fish go, and that's the, that's the ultimate. End. And 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 are when you see the fish going back, and you've had the adrenaline, because it's it would be up there now with, with with like a roller coaster or whatever. The adrenaline that a salmon, a hooked salmon transmits down the line or up the line, it's like being electrocuted. in a kind of a sustained, Yeah, it's 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 really really brings you right back to your evolutionary predatory instincts course, you know, Your I suppose knees it's kind of shake primal, isn't
0: it really like when you catch a fish like
3: what is it like it's it, it, in, in nature in nature there, like you were so uh, detuned you now from our uh, kind of natural of, of being if you want to call it you know you'd often hear a top predator mm. but you never see it. I mean the top predator was some young can program computers you know it's a different <laughs> type of uh, evolution whereas well we we still have that instinct that 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 uh, uh, primordial instinct or whatever inside us and when you when you hook a salmon and because they're a big powerful fish it's not like reeling in a mackerel or a trout where you, you're more or less reeling the fish in from the outset yeah with a salmon they're powerful enough that if you don't let them run and leap and jump and take line out okay. they'll snap you okay so so all that 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 is what makes them really the king of fishes in another way as well you could think their think of their life cycle, then you could see the power of them, then you've got the taste, yeah. then you've got the, the beauty of them to look at, they are beautiful and then like you've that. got, yeah, no, they're absolutely like, like a fresh run salmon with the, the purple hue down its flank, uh, spring salmon as we call them.
0: Yeah.
3: I mean, there's, there's almost nothing in nature can match it, it's just it's like a treasure, it's like a natural treasure. Yeah, that's I, a beautiful I, I, way I, of I think putting I it, up, like, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, they are. They they they're, they're, they're like a natural treasure, and and anybody who's you know environmentally minded or whatever, that they should be mindful of the fact that all our activities of, from 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 a guy you know bleaching his driveway to, to 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 washing his car with some toxic shampoo or whatever, like that all ends up at the waterways.
0: Yeah. So, Alan, what what can I do to help protect the salmon? Uh, oh,
3: but but I put, I put it this way too. You're not going to have a magic wand to 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 kind of cure it overnight. Like if somebody sees, um, you know, I know pollution reported, uh, obstacles reported, and like there was a, an initiative there, oh, you know, that was started internationally actually, where people had this app on their phones, and it was in other words. Uh, like weirs for example you know, no, all these weirs were built in some cases over 200 years ago and the mills that they were servicing before mm-hmm. there was electricity, before there was steam power, yeah. the river powered the mills to spin yeah. the wheels to grind the flour over whatever yeah. so when the, the mills are gone 200 years or whatever, the weirs were never removed, now while we look at the weir and we think, oh that lovely and relaxing they're watching the water trickling down and cascading down over the weir in reality, for a lot of the fish, it's a death trap because it's, it's an unnatural obstacle. And mm. a lot of them, when they try to jump over it, they might bounce off a sharp edge of concrete and get injured or they get trapped below the weir And a seal. I mean, the seals are going right up, to, up, up, up through Balancholic no and, yeah. and, and because the seals are smart mammals. Yeah, yeah. But the reality of, of it is, our natural crisis is actually on our own, on, on our own doorstep. Like, Mm. people look at the David Attenborough on a Sunday evening, and I'm I'm one of them. And we've got the tiger is endangered, and the polar bear is endangered, and the the albatross is endangered, and there's no doubt they all are. Mm. But on our own doorstep, you have our own native species, uh, the the salmon at the very top, Mm. is endangered, and and, and nobody uh, seems to give a flying flute. Mm. But um, other than that, things are quite good. Don't (laughs) worry. <laughs> Listen,
0: thanks thanks a million for you, you've inspired me to go We go for a bit of fishing. We, yeah. we, I'll track you down get out. I love it. It'll be a great, crack. Go on. Have a good evening. All right. Thanks a million. Slaan. All right. Bye you
3: bye, 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 bye. You <laughs> night. bye.
0: And so that's it for this week's podcast. I am giving Jack Crotty the biggest shout out for entertaining me and my salmon wildness. I got completely carried away with this one. Also, Big thanks, of course, to the contributors, Sally Barnes at Woodcock Smokery, Mark Boyden at Streamscapes, and Alan Nolan from the Lee Valley Salmon Anglers. Now, if you've got a little bit of time, there's a documentary called The River Runner, which you'll find on YouTube, where Alan explains in really, really good detail about how the dams have impacted the wild salmon here on the River Lee. We're going to be exploring farmed salmon in a future episode, as there's just a whole other world going on there. So we really hope you listen listening to that. And let me finish, if you're enjoying this Neighbour Food podcast series, then we'd love a little rating or review as we're still new here. Thanks. See you next week.